Hello, welcome to another episode of I Love Rock and Roll. I'm Ken Krantz. And I'm Chip Chantry. Uh, by the way, before we get started, happy birthday, Ken. I uh, just wanted to send you out those wishes. And, uh, you know, it's a great day. So, uh, so uh, you know, hopefully all the listeners can wish Ken a happy birthday. It's not even close to my birthday. Oh, uh, when is what? your birthday? It's in February. <laughs> well, okay. Well, we'll maybe we'll happened? save this. Maybe we'll save this. And now uh, Ming's taking or, pictures. We'll release it in February. We'll release it in February. Yeah. Um, We're coming to you from a shared universe in Eatontown, New Jersey. And uh, we have Ming Chen behind the boards today. Uh, What's up, everybody? Sorry, my mic hooked up. I suck. Oh, all right. (laughs) Well, we're off to a great start. But um, I want to introduce today's guest, and then I want to get into the backstory of how we found him. But we have with us uh, this week, we're doing the cars and we have with us comedian Dave Juskow. Hello. Who, hey, thanks for <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming. Thanks. And happy birthday. Yeah. Next thank February. You. Yeah, thanks. You that, Aquarius. Yeah, that was news to me. Um, Don't you want to? know why he thought it was your why did you think i'm i just i just would chip i just dude i have a one in 52 shot you know what i mean i figured one of these weeks (laughs) i would have gotten it right so i figured swing for the fences swing for the fences yeah you thought just in case yeah um so i want to explain why dave is here that would be the rest of the podcast for me (laughs) trying to figure out his line of thought i'm i'm uh (laughs) Yeah, right. I don't. I just with him, I just let it go. That's the right thing to do. Yeah. Um, We uh, last week we were supposed to have a comedian in uh, Gabby Bryan. And I asked her. Oh, Dave Bryan's daughter. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Bon Jovi. Sure. And uh, we asked her who her favorite band was to cover. And she said the Cars were her favorite band. So Chip and I both love the Cars. And we said, great, we'll do a Cars episode. And then Gabby ended up having to cancel. And what? Yeah. But not after I did my research on the cards. And there is surprisingly little information on them out there uh, in terms of documentaries or even I thought maybe if I could find a quick book on them, I would read. You there's, know. there's one. There, I found I found mention of one, and I couldn't find it on Amazon. I couldn't even find it. I think I have it at my house. Oh. <laughs> I think I was the one that bought the only copy. I think it's called Frozen Fire. Yes, yeah, person. that is <laughs> all right. So I'm so I don't, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Sorry, but it's I'm, my fault. No, 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 I'm it's fine. I'm 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 getting the sense that you actually are a big Cars fan, and that was one of my mm. questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I definitely was. Yeah, or maybe still am, but. So you continue and I'll I I went on to YouTube looking for because a lot of time you can find fan made documentaries or documentaries that aren't streaming anywhere that that are on YouTube. And I couldn't even find um, I couldn't find any documentaries on them. Um, I I found one like 30 minute uh, local Boston TV station interview with Benjamin Orr, and it was a. they should have called it Benjamin Snore yeah, because I've seen, I've seen that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ten, 10 minutes in, I was I was falling asleep. So then I went to Amazon and I come across. I type in the I'm cars. Laughing because I-, <laughs> <laughs> I type in the cars documentary, and uh, the only thing that comes up um, 
is a movie called Turbocharge, the unauthorized story of the cars. So I immediately assume this is an unauthorized documentary. There, there's so many unauthorized documentaries out there. And um, I go, OK, well, I know that means that, you know, nobody in the inner circle participated. So there's, they're not going to have any of the music rights. You're not going to hear any Cars songs in it. But you'll have people that were on the periphery. You know, you're going to have like secondhand producers or people that were in the studio. I said, well, I guess it's better than nothing. And um, my first uh, hint should have been it, it was two dollars to rent and three dollars to <laughs> three dollars to buy. And so I was like, well, I'll buy it because I'll, you know, I'll, I'll watch it more than once to, to get this information. And I have to admit, I was a little bit stoned when I, yeah, when I started the movie and I didn't pay a ton of attention to the opening credits, but then Ch I had Chip watch the movie, too. I don't know if Chip, I don't know if you spent the extra dollar. I don't know if you splurged. <laughs> Maybe I, yeah, I, I went all out. I went all out. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're using some of that sweet podcast money. That's right. <laughs> so um, I guess the narrator, which is an interesting choice, is is like a Frosty the Snowman. I don't know if it's actually, if it's supposed to be Frosty. Yeah, it's, what's supposed to be the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer Rudolph, snowman. Right. snowman, yeah. Um, and it's done like in that same sort of uh, what claymation is claymation like, kind of claymation. Right, right. It's, that's exactly what it's supposed to. It's supposed to be the Rudolph the Red right. Reindeer thing. Yeah, and Christmas time. And and the snowman is talking about his love for the cars. And again, I'm high and I didn't pay attention to the credit. And I was like, I know you're looking at the pot. You're like, this is good. Yeah, I <laughs> I, I know I know the voice of the snowman but i can't quite place it but i was thinking like this is this is already off to an interesting choice this was an interesting that's choice very polite of you to say <laughs> interesting <laughs> choice it was an interesting well it was an interesting choice for a documentary right that i still was still under the thought, right. i still thought i was watching a documentary of some sort well i mean i did give him credit i do believe that when most people think of the cars the first thing they think of is christmas <laughs> I mean, I think that's a natural progression Exactly. Well, it wasn't much of a leap for me, Ken. Right. There was even they, they you showed a couple um, like newspaper clippings about the cars and there was even something about the cars Saturday morning puppet show. Right. Muppet show. Right. And I remember thinking like, yeah, well, I, I don't remember that. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then um, and then the movie opens uh, with a reenactment. Uh, in in a studio, you see Rick Ocasek, and I use that very loosely when I say you see Rick Ocasek because it's just a dude in a black wig. And I was like, they didn't do anything. They didn't attempt to make this dude look like Rick Ocasek in the slightest. They just threw a black wig and sunglasses on him. It's like, what the fuck am I watching? And it and the whole thing looks like it was. Like an eleven dollar budget, <laughs> and but then I'm like, it's this clearly isn't a documentary, and I'm ashamed to say that it took me about a full fifteen minutes. <laughs> well, you were high. Yeah, I was super high, but um, the reenactment, the the acting wasn't it wasn't great. Yeah. It, um, 
but I didn't realize that that was it wasn't supposed to be right. 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 <laughs> it took me a good 15, 20 minutes to realize, wait, I'm watching a comedy. Somebody made a comedy about the cars. Some idiot <laughs> made a comedy. <laughs> but then as I was watching uh, Rick Ocasek, I was thinking like this guy's voice sounds really familiar too. And he looks familiar. So then finally I had to stop the movie and I pulled it up on Google. And that's when I saw your name. Right. I saw, and I realized that the narrator, uh, the snowman is Benjamin, Ka Dr. Uh, Jonathan Katz. Katz. I'm Jonathan sorry. Katz, right. uh, yeah. From, well, cause you're thinking of H. John Benjamin. Right. Cause he's yes, in it too. The, the whole Benjamin. cast of Dr. Yes. Katz. Yes. <laughs> and then I realized I had just met you like a month or two. I don't even know if you remember, but you yeah, were. No, you it, were, there's the stress factory yeah. with Attell. Yes, yeah. you were You were hosting uh, for Dave Attell at right. the stress factory. And you and I were sitting at the same table probably for 40 minutes yeah. um, talking about. With the, you were sitting with Barry Ribs, right? Yeah. 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 We were talking about anything but the cars. And then once I realized I was watching a comedy, I got higher. I was like, all right, <laughs> this. And it is. Um, I don't know how to, ch I, I, I called Chip. I was like, look, this is the only thing I could find on the cars. I, I think you should probably watch it. Um, he was like, Dave, he was like, uh, like if you remember when like Elliot tries to tell his older brother when he found E.T. for the first time, like he didn't know if it was good or evil. Was, he was very right. excited about it, but very nervous That's perfect. and didn't really understand exactly all of his powers, but he needed to share it with somebody. That that was the conversation that I had that makes sense. about that. Yes. Yeah. But then I started then I started recognizing the, the whole cast is is made up of stand up com uh, comedians. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or a yeah. lot of the cast. One point, I when Kevin Brennan comes in <laughs> as was he Alan Hunter? Yeah, when Kevin Brennan comes in with no semblance of a costume or, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure he just wore what he wore. Changing that day. his voice, yeah. yeah, like he definitely there was no. You know what you get when you hire Kevin Brennan. Well, and in this day and age too, especially like in our circle, Kevin Brennan is much more famous than Alan Hunter. Like <laughs> yeah, Alan yeah, Hunter right, right, right. Back in the day, but for most people, they're like, "Who is Alan Hunter?" And that's comedian Kevin Brennan right there. Like, th that might have been my favorite part. Was just this is just clearly Kevin Brennan. Yeah. So I it was um, Rachel Feinstein. Rachel Feinstein. That tells in it at the end. Yeah, David yeah. Tell. <laughs> well, he has the best line when you're saying like, "Who? What did they do with Rick Ocasek?" And he goes, "Hey, Rick, lay off the pasta." You know, <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that was not in the script. Yeah, I, I, I sensed I sensed a lot of it this wasn't in the script. He just uh, he improvises all the time. I don't know what his deal is. <laughs> the troublemaker. So I, the best way I can describe it was uh, for our listeners. It was like it was like wet hot American summer meets uh, VH1 behind the music. Yes. Right, without there, without any sort of budget whatsoever, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> like I paid for it all myself. It was like about I don't know, like fifteen thousand dollars, which is nothing. Right. You know, like I paid for lunches and mm -hmm. dinners mostly for the crew, and um, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's a. So yes, <laughs> the the thing is about this. So I made this movie about the cars, right? And the question is why, right? Because there's nothing. And the worst part is all the cars fans. Some of them get it. And they appreciate it right. because there's there is historical facts to it, but most people hate it. And then I'm like, well, 
you know, that's all you get because there is nothing else. So you're welcome. Right. You're exactly. There's nothing else. Right. So somebody had to do it. Right. Which which is who's going to make a documentary? And then they're dull and boring. You saw the one thing with Benjamin Orr. Yeah. They're a snooze fest, like you said. Yeah. Their 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 concerts were boring. We we talk about that. Right. So nobody's gonna make a documentary. Nobody died of an overdose or anything. They are no fun. Yeah. So that is why I thought it would be hilarious. And I'd had this idea since the eighties, since the um the last scene in Live Aid, where they get uh what would it be called the Usurped by uh, ben, okay, by yeah. uh, Phil Collins. This was our that, biggest that question. That was the biggest question that Ken and I had was, did that actually happen? That actually did happen, and that's how I thought of the movie in 1985. I'm like, that. I was mad <laughs> because I loved the cars back then yes. when they were the kings of the world, right. in a way. And when I was waiting for them, all of Live Aid. I remember I was at this kid's house in Rochester, and we were all together watching Live Aid, you know, because we were the right age for it and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I'm waiting all day for the cars, and they come on, you know, late. And then all of a sudden, I'm wait, and then there's just so Phil Collins coming from the the heliport or whatever, <laughs> and, I'm like, and they cut in. I'm like, what the hell? And so I remembered it from that day. And that is how I'm. I would, was waiting twenty years to make this stupid movie. <laughs> that is so funny. All that, based on that. That w- that's hilarious. So just re- yes. Yeah, so for our listeners, so the the cars were uh, they're they're scheduled on live. We actually did a live aid episode. So yeah. we've it's fantastic, right? I mean, it's it's amazing. It's a really uh, time bottle, like a you know, yes. like it's a fascinating. You know, who's on, who's big, right? You know, and and then uh, to learn what went first, the, the fact that they from inception to to pulling it off was like a twelve or fourteen week turnaround. You know what what they did. In three months, getting the biggest bands in the world together. Let alone just the fact that it was live in London and Philadelphia, right. which, was, mm-hmm. which of course screwed the cars, you know, because yeah. Phil Collins was flying from on the the Concorde, which doesn't even exist anymore. So it's a complete time capsule of just everything, you know, That's... because because you would even tell like a twenty two year old, and Phil Collins played on both coasts. Like, why would he do who who? <laughs> you know, like, like from Zoom and played the same song. Yeah, that that's um. What an idiot. Yeah, you have you have that joke. You have that joke in the movie where they say uh Well he's not gonna play the same song, right? They're like, oh Phil Collins, what a great guy. You know, we keep saying it. And we're setting the whole thing up for that stupid ending. (laughs) And I remember I showed it in Los Angeles once and they actually got it. Like they applauded when we got cut by Phil Collins. They actually followed the storyline. I couldn't believe it because I didn't think it was – I wasn't sure if it was obvious that that was – the whole movie is set up for that last gag. It is, it is so funny. <laughs> it's so stupid. So, so how, 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 old, how old were you in 85 watching, watching Live Aid? Uh, 21, 20, maybe so, 21. So you're like a kid in your early 20s. Yeah, and, it was, and I was what angry, Live Aid was made for. Yeah. You're angry for the cars. Yeah. <laughs> I worshipped the cars. I mean, I just loved the cars. They, they, now I don't care. So it's like I'm not, you know, I'm really not a fan anymore. It's just like they're, they're, their music doesn't hold up. Right. That's the way I think. I mean, I know this is a rock and roll podcast. and No, I, it's it's fine. You, you don't have to like the cars. No, no, I'm saying I know you don't care whether I like it or not, but I'm just saying, I mean, I do respect their music and I like it. I just don't think it holds up. Right. They For me, some of it does. Like yeah, Some of it does. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that first album is unbelievable. That first album was really incredible. Yeah. Um, I mean, that you know, when you have a debut album and you can actually follow it up and get bigger 
as you go on, you know, where they, their biggest album was their last or the second to last album. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yes. You know, that's like Billy Joel. We were talking, I do a Billy Joel podcast now for some reason. And we always talk about how, you know, you have The Stranger, which is, you know, a masterpiece. And then you follow it up with two really good albums that end up winning it all. Like, I mean, that's, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, it's funny. It's funny you said, I've told uh, Chip knows the story. The reason, so you made a movie because you were angry about how the cars <laughs> got treated on MTV because they cut away to show coverage of Phil Collins flying into Philly. The reason we even have this podcast is because of a Billy Joel song oh, that I became so funny. obsessed with. Yeah, I've told the story, but... um. One night, I, I probably I was uh, mid twenties, and I was out drinking with my brother and some friends, like very drunk. And the longest time came on the radio in, in the bar. Right, right. It's the doo-wop when he yeah. when he did his doo-wop album. Yeah. And when um, I started laughing, something came over me when Billy Joel singing "Whoa," and then that dude goes, "What the longest." <laughs> right. I just, yeah, <laughs> I lost it and I started laughing and I, I couldn't stop doing it. We went back to my brother's and I was crowbarring for the longest time into every conversation. Like I remember some girl at the bar was like, how long have you been waiting for a drink? I was like, for the longest. <laughs> and we got back to my brother's and it was in the days of uh, you had to purchase songs on iTunes. Right. So, you know, it was before streaming. Before Spotify. Right. Before, before Spotify. And I, I walked in and I threw him a dollar like some drunken stripper. And uh, I downloaded for the longest time into his computer and I sat there in the corner and sang along to it. But I only sang for the longest. Like that was the only part. <laughs> I was like, you know, when Andy Kaufman just steps up for the, the Mickey, Mighty for Mouse. The Mighty yeah, Mouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah I exactly like, what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. So you're like waiting. <laughs> right, and then I would just step up in the mic. I got to say that would make me laugh a hundred times waiting for you to yes. do your favorite part. Yeah. That yeah. would make me happy. Well, it's like good comedy. It was at first everybody was furious with me but then I hammered them into submission with it and then they all started laughing and my brother kept saying like what's so funny I was like just like that was that dude's only part like <laughs> he had like he had to wake up in the morning and get dressed and like kiss his kids goodbye and and drive to the studio and right, you know right, he was like Daddy, practicing I'm, play, I'm playing Madison Square Garden today yeah <laughs> <But> yeah only <laughs> see you know he called all his ex-girlfriends the night before like remember when you said doo-wop was for pussies <laughs> guess who's doing a Billy Joel album tomorrow you know and um I'm going on tour and ask me how long I'm gonna be on tour. <laughs> go ahead ask me <laughs> <laughs> so then, um, like once, like maybe 10 years ago, I had this idea. I was like, well, I should really just start a rock and roll podcast and eventually track this guy down because I'm embarrassed to admit how many nights I laid awake thinking about this guy. <laughs> And um, so finally, uh, you know, like I had one other podcast had nothing to do with music, but this was the kind of podcast I always wanted to do. So finally, I called Chip and I was like, I have this idea. I didn't tell him it was to find the dude that would put the <laughs> longest. Um, 
But then finally we got this going. And then a couple months ago, I was like, all right, I'm going to look this guy up now. And I, I finally like Googled it. I finally was like, I'm going to do my homework. And I found out that's when I found out Billy Joel sings every part in that song. I was about to say, <laughs> yes. uh, but I didn't want to burst your bubble. No. That uh, <laughs> fucking guy doesn't even exist. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah, that's a bummer. But it's funny. Meanwhile, because- if you again, if you were. If this was your song and you were like when you went to a karaoke bar and you were with your friends, your friends know they have to sing all the parts, but you're standing on the side waiting. Yeah, it would. If I was your friend at that time, it would make me very happy that (laughs) this is what he does, you know, like and I would laugh every time. I'm one of those people that would find it funny every single time. Like if you bought somebody new there and you're like, if I had a new girlfriend or something and be like, no, no, why does he just stand over there? Now, you'll see. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. you make me really happy. I love, I love that about you. <laughs> so I, so when you say that this rattled around in your head for twenty some, you know what years, I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're that talking. and the song. I wrote the car song that mm-hmm. we play at Live Aid. Like I wrote it, right? Like, but so it sounds kind of like a car song, yes. and that was going around my head for some reason for twenty years as well. So I had the song and that bit. <laughs> and that was it, you know. And clearly, the movie—you can tell—it's just like clearly had that song and the bit, and then then there's the other stuff that they, they seem to make up as they went. <laughs> well, yeah, that Chip was telling me that yesterday. Uh, he said that you said you had taken out like a notepad, and you start. You were like, for the first ten minutes, you were right. Yeah. Like, did this really happen? And then you finally just threw the notepad out. And you were like, <laughs> I, I'm, like I, just... I literally know less about the cars now than. <laughs> Well, no, a lot of it is historically correct. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is. That's the thing. So there are Cars fans that appreciate that somebody did something, but they obviously have to get it. And there's one guy that I think wrote a book on Ben Orr Mm -hmm. who's still really angry. Uh, His name's Joe something or other, and he hates me. He's (laughs) he's angry because you made a comedy about. Yeah. Oh, and uh, the guy Elliot Easton Mm -hmm. has a brother, and he came to one of our screenings. And he walked out. <laughs> well, you can't blame him. He wait, we made his brother into a bad stand-up comic at the end, so he was yeah. furious. But yes. apparently, we found out that he's like that. And the people that like the movie and and appreciate it, like there's there's a there's, there's a Cars podcast, and they had me, and they like it, and they get it. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they always said, "Oh, that guy is a dick." So, right. you know, he he just didn't understand. But but again, I get his point of view as well. I mean, we're dicks. You know, like, well, it, it is funny. He's, supposed to, he's this legendary guitarist that doesn't get any, you know, kudos for being this great guitarist because he's in this odd band. And so it just gets worse because then we just really rip him a new ass. <laughs> I actually... I stuck with it for the whole movie trying to fact check what was... So I I was like I was like oh let me see if I could find clips of this dude doing stand up oh okay oh. <laughs> and then I was like that oh wasn't, he yeah. he didn't he no, never we made be, up he never endings. became a comic yeah. well actually no we didn't because the 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 nerdy guy uh, Greg Hawks he actually did form like a ukulele band or something so it was like the pick and choose you know right or right but and I the, think the other I don't think. David Roberts worked at a you know an office or well he yeah. might have actually I don't know he he just kind of gave up and I think one of the guys actually owned a re- and worked at a restaurant like he owned a restaurant and worked at it. I forget who it, it was, might have been David yeah. Robinson I think it he got been, out yeah. of the business and 
kind of did something like that. And that's why I guess we, but of course we were also where they would let us film. So they let us film at a lot of restaurants. So we would use every room that we could mm -hmm. while people would let us film this. So that last scene where we're, we have, we don't even know why Rick's working at a restaurant. <laughs> like, and they're yeah. like, Rick, where are my carrots? You know, like, because we, <laughs> you know, we had looked, some he dishes. in the oven. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's really stupid. It, and then we found this car lot. So then he was selling cars at the end because they let us film in this right. car lot. Anywhere they would let us film you just for wrote free. It, you wrote it into the movie. We wrote oh, it into the so movie. Funny. And and it's so Most I'm, of it is this old office I used to work. I used to work in a law firm for years, and they let me film there. So we had a lot of office scenes in this stupid office, which is just a law firm, but we tried to make it look like a record executive office. Yeah. I was trying to figure out because, so you you have, um, it, none of it was filmed at Gotham Comedy. Yes, actually. Oh, it was? Okay. Yeah, the stand-up was filmed at the old Gotham Comedy that's Club. That's why I was like, it's sort of. 21st Street or that's, something. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, Mazzilli let us film there. Okay. Yes, that's, yeah, I thought nice that might have been the vintage lounge, but. I was like, it looked. Uh, it's not. Yeah, it wasn't. No, yeah, yeah, not the vintage, but the. It was called like they they had it open for a while with both clubs, but okay. Yes, it's the old one. I think on Twenty Second Street before they opened the bigger one. Okay. Ironically, the day we filmed, I believe they had a flood there. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, isn't that nice? They let us film, and my friends owned a bunch of really big restaurants uh, that they let us film at. You know, and just really take over and. You know, it was great. So, I mean, I really got lucky. I don't know if I could make all that today because I don't think I could get the locations like I was able to. I don't know why I was able to know so many people at that time. But, <laughs> you know, now I never leave the house so, except to come here. Except, except to come here to talk about it. Um, my if you're if you're a fan, if, if you're if you're a listener and you're a fan, like I'm a huge fan of stupid comedies like those oh, are my so this fav is your favorite new movie then. yeah this was <laughs> no i'm i'm i i've watched it three times now really yes that makes me so happy obviously but it's like you know i always thought i mean i knew it was stupid right so like i mean it but i just figured i've seen you know i like that too and I, how many times do we watch late night cable where a movie like this somehow is on yes and i'm like well yeah. how did they do it so i just assumed well why don't we just make it and i'm sure somebody will put it on cable at some point this is before they had streaming capabilities that's why it took us so long to we needed an amazon prime right to put it somewhere because then because dvds went was out of business and and this was in 2008 is that right yeah so yeah, we yeah. we only put it out like last year or a year and a oh, half ago because oh, there was no way to put it out Oh, okay. Because you know, I saw those two dates. That's interesting. So it just sort of sat there for a decade. Then, yeah, yeah. Wow. Until okay. the right. the Cars fans did what you did. The people that ran this Cars podcast, they found out about it and they demanded to see it. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know, because <laughs> I felt bad. Right. And then I sent them a copy on DVD, and I'm like, well, I could probably give you a copy on DVD. And I sent it, and they actually liked it because there are a couple of historical things, <laughs> like like you know um, the, the, that some of the names are correct, you know, like the when they're their first manager or something mm -hmm. like that. So how they met is a little bit correct. You know, the names of the first band, the incarnations. So right. they kind of did appreciate it. And then once they understood it was just a comedy, then they were really nice about it. But again, there's the other people that are very angry. But again, <laughs> you're welcome. There's nothing else. There and there was, never will be there. I, I was I was shocked to find because they were one of the defining bands of the 80s. Yeah, the 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 stuck that they started new wave or mm -hmm. something, you know. I mean, yeah. but 
Yeah, nobody cares. I, I I was just reading. I was just reading. Um, uh, there's a great. Um, I don't know if you've read. There's a great oral history of punk rock called "Please Kill Me." I heard. I saw it. I saw a little bit of it. I didn't. Fin- I didn't finish it. And there's. Um, they're interviewing one of the guys from the band Television, and he's he said when he heard the Cars' first album, he knew it was over. He was like, he was like, this is what everybody's gonna want. Wow. He said that he was like, I knew punk was on its way out, and this new wave was on its way in. And, and yeah, and it, it is, it's fascinating because yeah, they did right, and but but the problem is, if you were making a documentary, who would you prefer to document? Like, and, and this isn't new wave, but I'm saying, would you rather do the Sex Pistols or would you rather do the Cars? Right. I mean, there's so much meat in that Sex Pistols. They only had one album. Yeah. <laughs> and there's such a mess. Yes. That's fun. Yeah. The Cars just they're so dull. And that was kind of the fun. I mean, this, and you know where I got it from? Is from, uh, I was watching um, the Def Leppard one with Michael J. Mike, not, not Mike J. Uh, Michael uh, Anthony Hall. Okay. I don't know if you ever saw it. They made yeah, a document, no. VH1, I guess, or somebody made a documentary on Def Leppard and Michael Anthony Hall. I got that right, right? Michael yes, Anthony Hall yeah, played yeah. Mutt Anthony Lang. Michael, yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall. Idiot. Um, he played Mutt Lang. You know, the guy that produced mm-hmm. this, the, you know, the great Def right. Leppard albums yeah. of the Hysteria, Hysteria right. and the, Back in Black for ACDC. Right, 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 yeah. right. I mean, he's a legend and uh, stuff, but right. He did that amazing Hysteria album, right? Which is ridiculous. Right. They, they should have never been. We should never have been talking about them in the year 2000 until if it wasn't for that album and seven hits of it. So, so I remember watching that movie and. All you're waiting for in that movie, and I'm sure you know where I'm going, yeah. is for the drummer to lose his arm. Yes. You know, you're just waiting because yeah. this is the part I want to see, <laughs> you know, and it's the stupidest thing. So he loses the arm and they're like, well, he still wants to drum. And they're like, what? How's he going to drum? And, the, and then he's, he's drumming one day and they're just like, they're all looking at each other. And I'm like, this is a, this is hilarious. <laughs> How is how are they making this where it's not a comedy? You know, they're, it, it was stupid. And I'm like, so, it, and all music documentaries or, or things like that that are made that aren't documentaries, what, what would you call them? Like, a, you know, just like a re- reenactment. Yeah, or, reenactment, whatever, yeah. like a Queen, the Elton John movie. Right, like a, the biopics. The biopics. Oh, the biopics are all the same. Right. You're sitting there waiting. Okay, when is Queen, what are they going to say about a Bohemian Rhapsody? You're just waiting. You're waiting yeah. for that part. They're like, I don't like it. A seven-minute song on the radio? You know, they're all the same. Yeah. Like, well, we'll show you. So they're all exactly the same. So that's why I'm like, I am going to make this just like they do. But it's it's going to look the ridiculousness that all of these movies do. Yeah. That Elton John one, which is so serious, it's all the same. Yeah. We know he's going to go downhill, but we know he survives. I mean, it's just stupid. But my favorite scene is he, he calls his mom on the phone booth. He goes, I'm a homosexual. <laughs> Made me laugh out loud. I don't know why. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, you're all just waiting for the same stuff all the time. And they're all the same. So I just figured I'm going to make a movie exactly like that. But it's going to look as stupid as they do. But for some reason, theirs are taken seriously when it's the exact same content all the time. Yeah. You're waiting for the one break that we all know is coming. Yeah. And it's all done the same way. You can't do that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll show you. Yeah. I'll show you. Yeah. We we were talking about that. I don't remember what episode, but it is like it's also like they're given one last chance, you know, like, um, well, I mean, if they did the Billy like Joel it, like, documentary, it'd be the exact same thing. It has turnstiles. It doesn't sell. And the record company is thinking about dropping them. 
and then he's making the stranger. You know, like I mean, it's exactly if he did the. Which again, there's another good one to do. Guy's <laughs> such a mess now and everything, and just I mean, you know, you're waiting. When's he going to give it all up, and why? Yeah, you can make something up. Well, we'll that's what I'd, I'd want to see the movie. See, that's the thing. I, I'd want to see the Billy Joel movie from pick up from after his last album. Yeah, I, I right? want to. Yeah. I want to see all the the crashes into the trees. Exactly. That's what I'm, right. Right. I want to see stuff. the marriages. I want to see. But him. if you were if you were making a documentary, I mean, or a, a biopic, there's no way you couldn't do him and Christy Brinkley waiting meeting because that's right. what everyone would want to see. Yeah, you want to see of who's going to play her. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, I could probably play him now, which would be hilarious <laughs> again. <laughs> playing Rick Ocasek, uh, you know, like a six foot, the skinniest guy of all time playing him. And I think I got fatter as the movie goes on, <laughs> uh, which was uh, uh, on purpose. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's always going to be funny. But again, these these biopics are all the same, whether they take them seriously or well, they all take them seriously, but they're all stupid if you think about them they're just yes. they're ridiculous and then, i mean then that i remember that one anthony michael hulk comes and he goes hey we're gonna really go for it we're gonna have seven hits off this one we're gonna beat thriller you know it's just i mean it's just all stupid sayings that obviously nobody was there to document so i just you know changed the dialogue yeah I mean, nobody knows what that dialogue is it was i yeah i love when people uh will they'll tell you what was said in in behind a closed door where there were two people exactly yeah like I remember, um, I remember Ringo Starr doing a, an interview on Howard once, and like re the recent one that he had when he when Joe Walsh came in too, like it, his brother-in-law. Yeah. Oh, is it? Did you know that Chip that Joe Walsh and Ringo were brothers-in-law? No. Is no that idea. fascinating? And then and that's the one where he was calling him out on the peace and love, peace and love. <laughs> that was a great interview. But could you imagine Joe Walsh isn't even close? To the most successful musician in his own family. <laughs> yeah, like this, like the woman brings her home, like, guess who I'm bringing home tonight? Just make sure you get the fine china out. And then the sister shows up with fucking Ringo. He made a, a Barbara Buck sister, I guess. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, that, there was there Ringo was... is the guy. I love Ringo because he was a guy that gets it. We always talk about Stuart Copeland mm -hmm. as a guy that just never got it you know like he's like just deal with the fact that you're lucky enough to have sting in your existence yes and he's always so angry yes it's like i was reading up on simon and garfunkel for some reason today or yesterday and garfunkel just never seemed to understand how lucky he was yeah that this guy's <laughs> writing songs he goes well you sing this one yeah. really you know I mean, what the what's the matter with people yeah well that's what me and chip are going through some of that right now chip yeah, yeah. every when when we leave today chip's gonna call and yell at me he's gonna be like you don't understand what you have with me here yeah yeah <laughs> that and right? do you understand the star power that i am bringing <laughs> <laughs> on your birthday no less <laughs> um you know it, it wasn't the one where they brought in joe walsh i'm, I'm going back a few years but oh, okay, some yeah. it was uh somebody called in telling ringo about something that happened in his own life <laughs> And Ringo was like, no, actually, that person wasn't even in the room. And the guy kept saying, like, Ringo, I think you have it wrong. I've read this in several books. And Ringo was like, this is my life. Like, I don't have it wrong. Is that you just, funny? Yeah. And you, you just you I guess if something gets repeated enough, especially when it comes to any Beatles stuff. 
You yeah. know, they're they're always going to lose to a fan, you know, <laughs> saying like, no, it, it didn't happen. No, it did. It, don't worry about it. Aren't you kind of uh, rooting at this point, like actively rooting for Ringo to be the last one alive? Like he was he was the punching bag for so many years. He had the hottest wife yes. of all of them by a mile. Yes. And then if he can end up being the last one alive, it's like he fucking wins. I guess he does win. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really. I feel like he already won. So it doesn't matter. I always assumed he'd be the last one alive. That made sense to me. Yeah. So I don't think of it that way because I just assumed he would be the last one because that's what I'd, we all I'd get, honestly like God to see hates us all. best uh, take it. Take it over. P-Best. Yeah, I want P-Best to outlast them all. <laughs> you, have, you ever heard, have you ever heard his interview on him? You know what? I don't know what. I don't even Was know. He on Howard? I, a long time ago, he, right? Yeah. right? Like in the 80s when they went, maybe when they went to London or something. He, no, he, so, he had him on. It, it was on Sirius. So it, oh, it, it was. was. But he, he. How do I not remember that? He, I'd love to hear from that guy. Yeah, he was. He was touring like mostly like. um I want to say like assisted living facilities oh. and they would do, he had a band that would do the set that they would do in Hamburg, Germany, like in 1961. And they would just run through whatever the Beatles were playing wow. 50 years ago when he oh, was in the band. So sad. Don't you feel for that guy? Like he doesn't, I don't know whether he's a dick or anything, but yeah. I mean, it's like, that's, that's one that just, that's tough. That's tough. I can't believe he's still alive. Usually people like that just kind of end it. You know? Right. Like, I mean, that's you can understand if he didn't make it. <laughs> yeah. Know? Like, I mean, that's a real tough one. But wouldn't it have been great if he had it like uh, I think of Peter Gabriel all the time, mm -hmm. you know, and he leaves Genesis and you're like, what a tool. And then he just kicks ass. Yeah. You know, like he just never I, I didn't think he was that great with Genesis. But no. You would assume that was the wrong move. And it's amazing that he was able to just do like amazing albums. Yes. On his solo career. Yeah. And then and then like they would um, like Peter Gabriel and Genesis would like trade off number one hits. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Sledgehammer would be number one. And then. Uh, well, that's when Phil Collins had, um, I think it was the same year as No Jacket Required. Yeah. And and not so the first. Uh, was it so? So was the the, the so was the big one. one. So yeah, was the big one. Yeah, so was the big one. And No Jacket Required, I think, came out the same year. Uh, so it's him and Phil Collins. Yeah. I mean, how crazy is that? Yeah. Going back and, and then forth. even um uh fucking Mike Rutherford with that yeah, Mike, Mike and the, the mechanics. mechanics. Mike and mechanics. He, he got a couple number so one. So I just heard one of his songs from last year. Mm -hmm. He came out with something. It was great. Yeah. It was so surprising. He they're still around. Mike and the mechanics. I, uh, I, I yeah. didn't think they were, and I never really cared for them at all. But this one song I heard was good. It was very adult. Yeah. And I, I really liked it a lot. It's something with the word blue in it. <laughs> and then um, I think Steve Hackett still tours. Who's he? He was the guitarist that left at the same time as Peter Gabriel. Oh, oh he was in Genesis. He was in Genesis. They were, a, they were a five man band. He left the same time as Peter Gabriel. And now he tours just playing. Gen like his era Genesis songs, oh. which it's funny when somebody leaves a band, you know, and then you're like, what an asshole. But then when they are actually worthy of leaving the band, because like with Peter Gabriel really does new stuff. It's not Genesis. Right. You know, he had a plan and that's what you like. But then, you know, somebody like David Lee Roth, when he left and he had the Eat Him and Smile album, it was the same stuff. You know, it wasn't like he was doing anything different than Van Halen. Right. And then people just hated him. Yeah. I guess for well, he was he was he. I mean, his solo career was huge for, for a second. For a minute. Yeah. For a few minutes. Yeah. Because yeah, that second album, he had that EP album, which was mm -hmm. odd not to put out a full 
album. Right. That was the Eat Him and Smile, which had like, what, five songs on yeah. it? And then I thought he was just in his house. That's why I, when he got up, I thought he was walking through here. I thought he oh. went to Philly. Oh, see, oh, see. I just, cause he, oh, my God, that freaked me out. I'm like, wait, are they pulling a fast one on me? He's next door. Um, I just come in and surprise you. Yeah. I come Happy in with, like, birthday with balloons. This is the most confusing thing I've ever seen. But, we, uh, we didn't even want to talk about the cars. We just want to, we just, that's our gag that we like to pull. Oh, I would fall for that a hundred times too. But, um, yeah, wait, what were we saying? It was, uh, not yeah, Dave, David Lee Roth put oh, yeah, out right. that and then like, he put EP out the, of covers. Right, and then he put out the, well, there was one, not a cover, the the big Liberty Rose, Rose Yellow Rose, what was it? Uh, oh, Rose um, something. There's like Living in Paradise. Was that? No, no, no. That's no, the that second was, album. It was, yeah, okay. Right, so that was the full it's album. Tobacco Rose. Skyscaper. No, it was Crazy from the Heat. Lady, Liberty Rose, Rose something Rose. We'll figure this out. Yellow Rose, Lady Rose, Liberty Rose. I can't remember. And that was the big song. For me to smile, and then the and then the cover, mm-hmm. and then skyscraper came out, and he was done. Yeah, and that living in paradise, I love that song. Yankee Rose, Yankee Rose, yeah, and I love that song. Yes, this must be living in paradise. I love that song, but it didn't do well. I mean, it just he just plummeted. Yeah. It's like weird. Dab, like, have, what was wrong? Like what happened? Have you seen the? Um, did you see the video from a few years ago of him in the Vegas hotel? No. This is, is it Chip, as good as Artie in the Vegas hotel. No. <laughs> Chip, do you know what I'm talking about? No, I, I don't think so. This is I felt so bad for him because he was trying to do such a nice thing. So he's staying in Vegas and I guess he's like up on, you know, he, he's got a suite and he's walking past, and it's on video. You can see it on YouTube and he's walking past a, a room that has music blaring at like you can clearly hear there's a party going on inside and jump is playing from the radio. So they're playing okay. Van Halen. So David Lee Roth turns to who's ever holding the phone to record. He's like, I'm going to blow these guys minds right here. Watch this. And he knocks on the door and some kid opens up. It's like all people in their 20s. Oh. And they're like, hey, what's up, man? And David Lee Roth's like, hey, David Lee Roth coming at you. He's like, I hear you guys are listening to Jump. So I just thought, here I am, you know? And and they have no fucking clue who he is. Like, they don't oh. know it's Van Halen. Like, it just must have been the song on the radio. Who put it up on YouTube? That, well, it was... <laughs> <laughs> why would you put that up after you yeah. had somebody record it and you look like Delete. an asshole? And then they're like, it's very half-hearted. They're like, hey, I, I think the guy who sings the songs here Jewish or guy something. wants to join us. <laughs> and he gets out of there really quick. You know, he's so wait, like, so one oh, of the man. kids put it up because No, it was somebody filming for like David Lee Roth. Dave. Yeah. Or maybe that's I, I, weird, right? Because yes, yeah, I, I, I would tell my friend, please don't. Can you delete that? Mm-hmm. That was really embarrassing. What he should have done if he was. But he obviously has never been in his own head. Is gone like, that's me. Yeah. Singing. Yeah. You know, like just to say it like that, knowing these kids aren't going to know who he is. But yeah. This guy still doesn't get it, I guess. Do you ever have you ever walked past uh, like a hotel room playing the cars? <laughs> I, I you ever hear my best friend's girl coming out of the, the sure. room and yeah, they don't seem to care to you know, <laughs> I knock on a lot of people random hotel rooms anyway and be like hey maybe you see me on Dr. Katz there's a cartoon of me <laughs> how are you <laughs> um, alright so let's go back to the movie so you get so you get uh, so da- you get Dave Attell 
You have well, that was easy. H H John Benjamin. Yeah, that was great. Right? Who's uh, for those who don't know, he's Archer. He's Bob's Burger. Bob's Burgers, right. Um, Arby's commercial now. Yeah. Um, oh my God, my, my I have a five year old daughter who every time that comes on, she runs into the room and screams, "Arby's, we have the meats." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you like that? Yeah, it's so funny that this guy is the most sought after voice over person on the planet. Yeah. And they always say Mel Brooks must be turning over Mel Blank yeah. must be turning over in his grave because, you know, he did like he did like a thousand voices. John Benjamin does one voice, yeah. his own, and he is the highest paid person in animation. Right. <laughs> How can that be? It's funny too because um like you watch Archer and they make every character look like the person voicing them except for him. That's so funny. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, it's so weird. Right? Guess, he's also in Family Guy. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, he's the most sought after voiceover person ever. I did an episode of Scooby Doo and uh, Mystery Incorporated. And I asked the guy, I said, Do you ever use John Benjamin? And he goes, I wish. <laughs> and I'm like, You do? Well, I think you can get him. Really? Because I was in the Scooby Doo with the guy that does Scooby Doo. The guy that might have invented Scooby-Doo and he does like, if you look this guy up online, he does a thousand other voices. I mean, stuff that you don't even know is a voice like he does the wind in Harry Potter. They call him in for everything. And he, not only is he doing Scooby-Doo, he's doing the uh, Alan, I think his name is, the the, the handsome uh, teenager kid, the blonde mm -hmm. kid. But so he's doing, he's 70. He's doing Scooby-Doo and then he's doing this young kid's voice, you know. Well, gee, I think we better get to the, you know, like it's a, it's amazing. He's doing, and then, and then this, they wish they could get John Benjamin. This guy's sitting right there. This guy, this unbelievable guy's credits are, they had to use two ID, IB, IMDB pages for him. And they're like, God, I wish we could get Benjamin. But, but he was good in the movie. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, and now, speaking of animation, how did be, and especially being on a shoestring budget how, without getting in the weeds, how did that, the, the Frosty the Snowman or the Snowman thing come about. I mean, it was hilarious because it's so out of place and it's so yeah. perfect. And and just the fact that uh, 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 Jonathan Katz is voicing it. But like, how did how did you make how was that made? <laughs> this guy, it's like um, you have the Back to the Future picture over there. Remember when uh, Christopher Guest, Christopher Guest, Christopher Lloyd uh, mm -hmm. goes, uh, please, it's. Excuse the crudeness of this model. Remember, he's like yeah. makes the model of how he's going to go back, and it's like this unbelievable. It's a full table <laughs> with the you know the corner store around it. Please excuse the crudeness of this model. Well, we found this. My friend who was the co-director, my friend Memo Salazar, he works for Sesame Street now. He um, knew this guy. His name was Gabor, and he lived in Massachusetts. And he put together this whole place for us to shoot this he made the whole town and oh he pretty God. much said please excuse the crudeness so that we couldn't <laughs> believe it but we got there it was amazing he just did it he was really he was one of those guys we got so lucky you know we didn't pay him except with food and oh, maybe gas money came it, down from boston every weekend it looks like every dollar of the budget went into went to that no it's a no it's amazing he did it all for free he's a wonderful guy and uh he he would make we're like we need an, a a fake stage that's something and he, and he would just we'd hear him building it outside. He was just one of those guys that could provide anything and he never complained. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met. He he now he works on uh, some better like Martin Scorsese stuff. He work he's on the Boston Air whatever's mm -hmm. shooting over there. He's always working 
And uh, yeah, we, we just got lucky. You know, it's, uh, my friend Memo knew all these people and they came from D.C. and Boston every weekend to film this ridiculous movie. That's so funny. And in fact, one of the guys who was doing the audio labeled the audio How I Wasted My Summer. That was the name of the movie for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we had really good, you know, cam with people with lights and they all had, you know, lights and C stands, whatever. Those are the things that lights go on and amazing audio. That's the one thing I just said. I said, we don't have any money, but as long as it sounds good, I don't even care if it's lit badly. Right. But I need the sound to be perfect because otherwise it. That's when it looks unprofessional. Right. In the sound yeah. or it looks like a porno or it sounds like a porno. Yeah. You know, it's like that's when you see people's reels online and you know they're not real because the sound is bad. Yes. Because they're not miking it properly. Right. And I said, if we do that, maybe, you know, people will think it's not awful. Did, were, did you ever have any point on set when you're looking around? I mean, the whole movie, it's it's absurdist comedy. But did did you ever have any point where you were looking around and you were like, like you have a team that goes into making a movie. So you, you yeah. have a team of people where you like I this all came from me watching Live Aid on the couch, thinking that the cars got dicked over by Phil Collins. I felt like Tom Sawyer. <laughs> that I got everybody to paint the fence and I was just leisurely hanging around. I mean, that is exactly how I felt. I was not paying these people. I just made sure they were fed right. and that they didn't have to pay for anything themselves. You know, like, so if they needed something, you know, I pay or you know, even coffee breaks. And I just I also made sure the most important thing that I remembered everybody's name. I'm really bad at that. Yeah. And so I said, I had to put it in my head. I'm like, I'm going to be nice and polite when things go wrong. I'm not going to be the typical Dave Jessica that I am and get upset about the cars. MTV sucks. I'm not going to be that guy. <laughs> Everything I can handle and I can do. I had to like put it in my head, you know, like to make sure. And, and that just that kind of stuff was, I guess, good enough to get people like, well, he's okay to work for, you know, I, I guess I, I, they were into it, I guess. And they were also into meeting, you know, people like tell yeah. or whatever. And some of the comedians, even somebody like Kevin, uh, well, I would say that now, but back then he was awesome. Uh, <laughs> now people are flipped. I still love him. I'll always love him. I think Kevin Brennan is. I, I, guys. I, I, Kevin's Kevin is, uh, he's polarizing, but he's hilarious. But I, uh, but you know what I'm saying? Like yes. Yeah. A, yeah. You know, there's a half and half basis. Of, yes. I text him. I, when I saw him as Alan Hunter, I stopped the movie and I reached out to him and I was like, dude, I'm, I'm watching this movie on the cars and you're in it. And what the fuck am I watching? <laughs> And he was such a pleasure. We've known each other for so yeah. long, you know, and he was such a, he was a pleasure. You know, it's weird because everybody would be like, how did you even get him? So I'm like, no, he likes being asked to do stuff. And he was really easy to work with. And we made it, tried to make it really easy for everybody. And if you, saw, if you know Tom Shalhoub from Fox News, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is funny, and he plays Andy Warhol. He was Andy Warhol, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, a, I, I had a bunch of people I would always work with all the time doing live stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, I like, like Christopher Guest, I like using like the same people all the time. And they seem to, I don't think there's anybody like me in that world that does weird 
stuff or different kind of things. Because I do these readings at the Comedy Cellar sometimes. I don't know if you ever heard, like I do like The Godfather and I'll change the dialogue and I'll have all the comics read it and we'll do it at the Village Underground. Oh, that's so and funny. And it's really that's fun, great. right? And I do that. I did Goodfellas and uh, Love Actually. Yeah. We had all these ones that I changed the dialogue. And so, you know, it's like Natterman plays, uh, Dan Natterman, I don't know mm-hmm. if you know, know him. Yes, um, yeah. Oh, he, yeah. He played, I just he was Michael the whole time. We, we did like five, epi- five episodes to tell the one Godfather story. Right. So I didn't want to miss out anything. And, uh, you know, it's just like, and at that meeting, you'll be assassinated. He's like, what? <laughs> well, I'm not going to that meeting. So it's all just gags like that. But again, all the lines are proper. So, you know, so the fans understand we we know, you know, we don't mess with the biggies. <laughs> yeah. Know, like the, everything's in there that you want. But, yeah, I like doing these ridiculous projects. That's and so I weird. think no one else does that, and I guess they appreciate. There's, that, and so. I, I, I appreciated the hell out of it. I, I, I could not stop once I got it. At first, I was like, "What the fuck am I watching?" And I can't believe I have trouble watching it myself. I spent three dollars <laughs> on this, but then once. Once. We don't even have a good copy of it. We, we, whatever we put on Amazon, it's like we we could have fixed it so it looks a little better. And we don't. It, we we made it in such a time where technology changed, right? Where we can't even fix it. We were trying to. Oh, let me tell you this. <laughs> you know Mike Pachetti? Yes. Yeah. Oh, he's in right. It. Right. He's in the movie. Right. So, um, uh, coming in September, uh, I'm on the Jerry Springer. His new. He has a new show called Judge Jerry, mm-hmm. and I sue Mike Pachetti. For ruining the Cars movie. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it's really funny. And I have this giant Empire State Building. I'm like, he's an idiot. He fall. He fell into it. It cost me a lot of money to rebuild it. And he didn't know his lines. And I think he said he had a heart attack and he didn't show up. And Jerry's like... <laughs> Well, I think that's a legitimate reason. I'm like, no, he's in it. And then my opening statement was, he's like, you may make your opening statement. Thank you, Your Honor. Mike Machete is an incompetent boob. <laughs> and it just went on from there. <laughs> Comes out in September. Um, you know, for sweeps week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a good scene where they're. Um, it's the only nude scene in the oh, movie. Oh, right, right, with that girl. Oh, right. my God, wasn't that great? She was a bartender I found, and she's. I was like, oh, can you sign a release? She goes, oh, you're for when I show my boobies? And I'm like, yes. And she goes, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Love her. But they're they're telling her, I guess, they, they were, you're auditioning uh, women for the video. Right, right, right. And, and, but, but that's a real, that's a, that's in the move, that's in the, um, the actual, uh, making of Hello Again video. They have a, a girl's breasts. Yeah, that's we didn't. So that was taken. That's from... for real. And because then, because it's it obviously can't be on MTV. So we right. made fun that Andy Warhol was, you know, screwing over this girl. Like, uh, yeah, they, they show boobs on MTV. Yeah, sure they do. You know, yeah. like I mean, because because why would they? They, if you got to see, it's in the making of. It must be on YouTube. There's a making of Hello Again, and they have the nudity. You know, oh, it's like, I mean, why so would you funny. put nudity for a video that's going to be on MTV? Right. And then you, you play you play some matchbox car. It's in the movie. It's, that's, it's, it's that's, real. Oh it's real. God. That's why I think the Cars fans, the ones that are let it go, like, like you did, that yeah. it's a comedy. Yeah. They appreciate that because they know that's real. That is a matchbox car going around the girl's boob is in the making of video. I would have bet all the money I own that that was just some. No, no that's the that's the <laughs> high, high decision the whole movie. To, yeah. to get a titty in the movie. Well, it was that too. 
And as long as she was, uh, yeah, she was, I, she used to work at this awesome bar that was a standalone place on 10th Avenue in Manhattan called the Gold Rush, like a standalone small bar, which they don't have anymore, you know? Yeah. And she was a bartender then. I remember she told me she was in, you know, like Jugs Magazine or something. I don't know. One of those not Playboy, not yeah. a sophisticated one. No good articles. Right, right, right. And I'm like, well, would you be interested in showing those boobs? Uh, you know, it's hard to ask. But then we have that guy playing David Robinson saying, like, come on, baby, it's, uh, it's, it's Andy Warhol. It's going to be cool. <laughs> they show boobs on MTV? Sure, sure. And then do. I think she says something like, does it always take this long to shoot? Yeah. And then you're just laughing. Right. Just like, <laughs> in the I know. And now when I watch, I'm like, oh, God, we, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years, you know, it would be okay. But now I feel like we're. Yeah, you couldn't even. Oh you God, probably couldn't even have so that horrible. scene in there now. You, right. Yeah. The girl would be like, should these two guys be standing over me when we're doing it? But it didn't even it didn't, didn't even occur to me for a second that there'd be a problem, let alone that it's we're doing yeah, that, the, that you're actually the making of. Yeah, it's there. Because if you if you ever watch the making of Hello Again, you'll see that all that we took is from this actual thing, like the. The stuff with Andy Warhol talking with Rick Ocasek and Andy Warhol's like, well, I, I just called him and he picked up and he said, hello. And I said, and it's me. I'm saying hello again. That is from that's actual dialogue <laughs> from the making of Hello Again. I was I it's watched, on a VHS tape. I have it at home. Oh my God. I got We showed see it before on, we had the premiere, so it helped. So it give it gives some context exactly. to the movie. That is so funny because Yeah, that, but how could anybody ever know that? So right. that's you know an issue too. That's one of those scenes where I was like, that has to be completely made. Andy Warhol never made a cars video. That, he did. No, he directed hello the hello again video and there's a making of showing oh, the great that's... andy warhol making it and it's yeah. just you can just picture the band like hating it that part is made up where they're yeah. just like well they're all but you know ben orris is so angry like all the time we just we just made him angry because it's like you know we we showed like rachel feinstein's character who's like the step the, the stepson whatever yeah. and yeah. he's always saying like well it's just interesting you you know you have an even amount of songs in the first album and then the <laughs> songs you sing could keep going down so you, <laughs> she's like what does that mean for this album he goes you'd be lucky if they let you play your pace but it's true you know yeah. like you look at the albums and it goes so you know he sings five songs then he sings four songs then he sings three and, you know and he was angry yeah they were you know what's so funny is they were such and and i absolutely love them growing up they were one of my absolute favorite bands i still think a lot of the music does hold up. like i i i'll still no, a lot of it does but also a lot of it doesn't right the the, fir and the, and the, the first and they're yeah the first album will hold up forever yes and i still like i mean i like the panorama album i like this touch and go song mm -hmm. which is like the panorama album is this one if the, you're a cars fan it's you know, like a secret. Yeah. And it's really good. And of course, Shake It Up, I think it's still way cool. Yeah. The song and the album. But the, it's funny because the big album, The Heartbeat City, doesn't really hold up yeah, that much. That, yeah. You that, might think, which was great. so of its time. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Just overproduced, super heavy yeah. on the synths. And, and I guess it's one of those things, too. We heard it so many times yeah. growing up. It's like, I don't know whether I can listen to it. Or it's like, you know, I don't know how many times I could listen to Piano Man anymore. Right. Or Allentown. Right. And, you know, those are just overplayed. Right. And all those songs, Magic and, you know... Uh, and just for everybody listening, like that first album, their debut album, I think there were nine tracks on it. Six of them were Moving in Stereo, Bye Bye Love, You're All I've Got Tonight, Just What I Needed, My Best Friend's Girl, and Good Times Roll. 
Yeah, yeah, you know that's... every song on the album minus maybe yeah. one, right? And yeah, the moving in stereo that the one they use in fast times. That's time? the one at fast, fast times time. during. So uh... that made that brilliant. You yeah. know that was. That's got to be the most. Later. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, when Phoebe Cates does her famous. Right. I had scene. Amy Heckerling on my podcast because uh, she directed Fast Times. Yes. And Clueless. And I was asking her about the music in that movie because, you know, a lot of it's amazing. The soundtrack yeah. for Fast Times but is she's amazing. She's really angry. She wants to do another version of it where she she didn't get to use all the songs she wanted. Really? Yeah. And she was really upset about it. But oh, wow. she did kind of say, I well, I will. I want to use that car song. Yeah. But they were like, I, I don't know, you know, whatever that. And the, the Go-Go's got in at the very beginning. They knew mm-hmm. we got the beat, which is yeah, like, we got like, the beat. Wow. How it. did you even that was like that must have come out the same day as the movie. I mean, how did you even know that existed at the time? I mean, she was pretty cool. She's really cool. Yeah. That's why I wanted her on, because when the Wonder Woman director, that Patty Jenkins, mm-hmm. um, she stinks. And everybody's like, oh, it's great. A woman directed yeah. Wonder Woman. I don't know if you saw Wonder Woman 84. But yeah. It blows. Yeah. And I was waiting for it because I like, you know, Gal Gadot, who doesn't. And um, I'm like, no, you, you should be talking about Amy Heckerling, this it's, woman directing yes. a boy's comedy yes. in 1981 or two. Yes. And then, and then made Clueless, she, which is amazing. The script in that. She yes. wrote and directed that. The dialogue in that is amazing. And I was asking her about that. And I said, what about that thing where Dan Hedaya comes in? And, you know, even there's so much as like, she's like, Dad, this is my friend Ty. Get out of my chair. You know, and she's like, oh, I can't take credit for that. I'm like, really? Who wrote it? She goes, no, my dad used to say it. I'm like, you can take credit yeah, you can take if credit. you remember. <laughs> I had to tell her this. And then I said another line. I said, oh, my God, because Dan Adea's lines were the funniest ones. Yes. And, the, you know, she's on this date with this guy. And she's like, uh, he's like, well, you know, listen, kid, if anything happens to my daughter, I've got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anyone would miss yeah. you. Now, that's an amazing <laughs> written line. She goes, I can't take credit for that either. I'm like, what? She goes, my brother wrote that. I'm like, what is the matter with you? Yes. <laughs> and Cameron Crowe wrote Fast Times. So, but yes. I mean, for a woman. To do it. So then I was like, how did you get to do that? The only person I know that predated her, a woman directing, was uh, Joan Rivers, directed mm-hmm. Rabbit Tests, I think in 77 with Billy Crystal. Yeah. And so that's the I only- I don't remember that. Nobody one. does. Nobody you does. You know, it's but... funny. Um, uh, bon- oh, we're out. Are we all, are we all right? Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Bonnie McFarlane, and I, that's interesting that you are, had Amy Heckerling on, because Bonnie McFarlane, I talk about her all the time. Oh, like you do? How, yeah. How is she not still directing? How are people well, not- She is. She, she is. She directs more television. In fact, I wonder if Bonnie- Oh, no, Bonnie wasn't on it, but uh, in um, the uh, Red Oak mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime. So that's recent. Oh, okay. Uh, so oh, she, and that's, that's great, too. I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, well, she's directed a couple of the episodes. So she's done yeah. a couple of episodes of stuff, less movies. She she, she directed, I mean, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is the, I think, essential teen movie of the 80s. So it's, right. it's And for a woman to direct a boys comedy yes. where boys do lines from it all yeah. the time. I mean, that's like that's like directing Caddyshack, which ironically, 
she was sleeping with the director of Caddyshack, and they have a love child. Oh. Which is fascinating, too. That is. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love that they're combined somehow. <laughs> uh, um, well, she directed, um, John- after he directed Vacation, the first Howard Ramis I'm talking mm-hmm. about, uh, she oh. directed European Vacation, European which vacation. wasn't very good. But, no. Uh, well, they took you know. they, they made the decision to go from rated R to PG-13. And oh, I is think, that right? I That's think what... took, the, took the teeth out but of it. But she also did, and this kind of maybe even ruined her in a way, she did uh, Look Who's Talking and Look Who's Talking too. so mm-hmm. she made money. You know, from that, but then, those were huge, yeah, huge hits. But they, you know, I don't. It wasn't like nobody was talking about who the director was. Right. You know, it wasn't like Groundhog Day. She also directed is, Johnny Dangerous. Yes, yes, which yeah. is right. One of the most quoted guy movies of right. the early eighties. Yeah, the only reason it's not more successful because Joe Piscopo is. I'm joking, of course. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, right? I mean, this, she was amazing, and she was great to talk to. She looks good. She's. You know, she, I don't know, it was really, I was really honored that. Yeah, she, I'd be. You know, uh, I'd been oh, waiting. She was kind of my white whale for my yeah. podcast, you know, like I'm for you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hello? We were there as, soon, as soon as we, as soon as we saw that, we were like, how could we possibly get. <laughs> how are we going to get him? Well, I'll try Facebook. I think I answered you back in 30 <laughs> seconds. I was Do you like. you know the legendary Wid? No. Uh, he, uh, you don't know the legendary Wid? Oh, right. You're from Philly. You must know him. Yeah, he's like my favorite person on the face. Oh, of the I'm earth. so glad because uh, you seem young. Are you in even in your 30s? Oh, oh yeah, no, I'm 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 past that. Yeah. Oh, because uh, yeah, most kids don't know who he is. And no, he what? is he. I can't, I'm surprised, Ken. You've never come across him. Uh, one of one of my favorite comedians of all time. Like, Me too. To be honest. And yeah. there's a bunch of guys my age: Jim Norton, Keith Robinson, mm-hmm. who used to open for him back in the 80s and early 90s, and we loved him. He's a prop comic. Yeah. And he brings on like 30 garbage pails full of props, and he is hilarious. Again, it's very much like the Cars movie. I had him do this thing for me and people hated him you know half the audience and then (laughs) half the audience got it yeah the other half were just like what is happening my my plan was at the comedy show this is about five or six years ago i was gonna have a birthday and have the let and have david tell open for the legendary wid and it was like that'll be hilarious i'll I'll (laughs) even pay for the wid to be there and i'm like no no i'll take care of it and I mean, it's a brilliant plan, and I was just going to have my friends. And I'm like, you know what? I'll open it to the public and charge $5. And, you know, we had, we ended up having this great show where it was a tell and it was Artie Lang and, um, I don't know, Rachel and stuff. And then, and then the wid was closing the show. And people just did not get it. And I'm like, you fucking assholes. You're only paying $5. You've already seen a great show. You yeah. can't understand this guy's brilliance. But the but the manager was so angry because it then because then the fun is to watch him pack up again, right? Oh, it and, and you try to help, but he has it. You know, he has it all figured he out. He has a system, right. and he does. But it takes like forty five minutes. Yeah, for him. the place so is trash. Right, after. so that's what they were mad because I think there might have been another show coming in. So the manager was like, I, I, I don't know whether he's allowed to work there ever again. I feel bad, <laughs> you know. But that was the fun. We were going to sit there and drink and watch him clean up. That was the party <laughs> idea. I'm definitely going to do it again because I can't get enough of him yeah you can see some clips of him on youtube meanwhile when i was trying to get in touch with him i facebooked him and he, he called back instantaneously yeah, yeah. Like that, that was the lead of the story I, right. have, I have a quick story about the way i mean i've known him for years and i love him and you know worked with him so many times uh one of my favorite nights in comedy ever was about 10 years ago i was at helium and emo phillips was was headlining I so i was so like well. i've always wanted to see emo live i got to see it was amazing Wid was there, sh- just showed up to hang out. He knows Emo from back in the day. 
I got to sit down at a table after the show for an hour and a half and just listen to Emo Phillips and the legendary Wid talk about World War II era art for, for 90 minutes. See, that would have been a nightmare for me. I love the Wid, but yeah. only when he's performing on stage. He's very strange. One time he came to one of my birthdays because he likes to be, you know, he, he loves the cellar and he wants to play there. Yeah. You know? And he came once and he gave me this sheet music from like the 20s. And he's like, happy birthday. And I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and it's, it's, I, I don't know what it's. Oh, what? Here's a classic story. Um, I used to have a show on A&E through Caroline's. Mm -hmm. It was like a talk show, like a one minute talk show in between the Caroline's comedy hour. And, you know, I demanded that the wid be on the show. And I'm like, no, we have to do it. And he has to do bits with all the things. And it was so funny. The reason why you've never heard of him is because as soon as the camera, when the lights went on, couldn't think of a thing. Oh, as soon as uh, it went off, he was doing these like, hey, can of, can of beans. Whatever. I don't know. Whatever. He, he was as soon as the lights went off, he was on. He was wit again. As soon as the lights went on, he just froze. It was the strangest thing. Uh, I was trying to explain to people. No, no, I'm telling you this guy. But uh, yeah, they weren't buying it. <laughs> as was half of the audience that night. It seemed like most of the girls really hated him. And the guys. No, it was hit or miss. Actually, it was 50 50. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't seem to matter whether it was girls or guys. <laughs> Most of the husbands I'll seem have, to really to, get it. <laughs> I have to look him up. That sounds really funny. Oh, you have to. He's a, he really is a genius, right, Chip? I mean, he's a, oh, he's a genius. And it's when, when you say this, you're going to be like, what are you talking about? He's a prop comic who basically just does puns the entire time. Yeah. So you're like, that's a disaster. It's the funniest thing yeah, you but will it, ever. It's, it's like so going back to it. it's like going back to what we were saying in the beginning. It's like you hammer. It's just hammering somebody into submission. It sounds yes, like. it's the same it, comedy as you, you waiting for you to do longest time. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> yes, so yes. he has like a a, a a dry cleaning hanger with a plastic wrap on it. He goes, "This is all I had to play with as a kid, and I played with it until I was blue in the face." You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just gags like that. I think it's I think it's my favorite joke of all time. Is you and he's like it's. Like he's mad half the time and he's like rummaging through these things and he's like and he he gets all mad and he pulls out these baby sneakers like these little tiny sneakers for kids that are tied together and he goes who put these here who put these here oh those little snakes <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's I, and it i never cry laughing hitting cry. the table yeah exactly yeah i mean cry laughing and it's yeah it, it's Oh God! It's I, I don't know why it's just it, it works for I guess just some of us and some people just don't get it. Some people are just too cool for it and they just don't allow themselves to enjoy it. And it's like just you just gotta let go. So the night the lit. night that I did the birthday, uh, we had to cut them short because people were getting angry. They just didn't understand. Again, paying five dollars. Shut up. Yeah. And yeah. then Artie came on after Artie Lang came on after, and he didn't have time to pick up the props. So Ar Artie's in with all the props and he's picking it up and he goes, what, what do you think he has for this? You know, like, cause, because he was actually fascinated because he likes the wit too. But then we were trying to think, does he go to a store and buy the props and then come up with stuff? Or does he have it in his head and he has to go buy them? We always wonder how the process I, uh, And works. honestly, a lot of it is flea markets and he'll just find stuff like people throw stuff up and then he'll find it and then he'll come up with a joke. That yeah, sometimes off. he'll send me pictures like it's a little stuffed animal horse in the middle of a car and he goes, it's a one horsepower car. <laughs> 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 I know. And I sit there. Ah! <laughs> uh, I saw. Um, <laughs> and that's the story of the cars. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I want. I was working with. Uh, I was working with Angel Salazar. Oh God, I used um, to open for him all the time. And I heard he still does the same act. He still gets down to his skivvies with the boombox. Yeah, that true? yes. So, but this was uh, Ming. You'll like Check this it story. It's with. Um, it was uh, it was me, Chris Covert, who we've had on as a guest, as a Jersey comedian, Brian O'Halloran, the star of Clerks. He played Dante in Clerks, okay. and Angel was closing, and um, Angel has his props. He's got a he's got a garbage bag full of props, and he's got musical cues. Yep. So somehow Since Brian the eighties. Yeah. So somehow <laughs> Brian O'Halloran gets assigned. You're going to do the musical cues. So he's just when when Angel, uh, who's uh, famous for being Chi Chi from the movie Scarface, That's right. when Angel just calls out like, hey, hit the music. Brian's just got to hit, you know, play. Yeah, the, I used to have to do that. Right. Because the MC always had to do it when he used to open for me. Yeah. So Brian is uh, sitting behind a six foot backdrop on a little bar stool, hunched over the laptop, just waiting for Angel to say hit the music. I can't Angel- believe he's using a laptop. Yeah. It used to be a boombox. <laughs> Angel's Angel's supposed to do an hour, but it's not going well. Like it's really not going well. The crowd turned. The crowd was great. I think it maybe the show just went on a little too long. They, he's doing they the were, same material from 1988. Yeah, and they they couldn't understand his accent, and so he never even gets to the musical cues. So Brian angel's supposed to do about an hour and uh i think he ends up doing maybe 30 35 tops and brian's just sitting on a stool waiting to hit play on musical Uh, cues that never come and then angel uh gets off and then i'm sitting at the bar at the vfw with brian a little later on and i said so let me ask you a question it's 25 years ago when you're at con film festival (laughs) <laughs> and he just he immediately knew where i was going <laughs> i was like did you ever think that your career would end up and he just goes fuck you Krantz." <laughs> oh that does suck yeah i don't know you know him and kevin meany uh they used to they never changed their act and i, I can you know say that because I had trouble with that too. Yeah. And I really haven't changed it either, but uh, I know I'm not very good. So, uh, but those guys, but Kevin Meany, you know, was doing the, we are the world closing bid up until he died. Yeah. Was that in 2000s? Oh, that's, yeah. In the 2000s. Oh, that's, he was doing the, we are the world. And I remember when he does the bit where he's doing Steve Perry, he's making the, that Steve Perry has a big nose. Who's going to know that? Yeah. <laughs> It's just these guys that they still get work and still do that bit. I'm like, why? Why am I changing my stuff? It is funny how it's. it's I can still do my Mr. Magoo. <laughs> it's funny how with some people it's just okay. You know what I mean? Like I was, like I see Gilbert Gottfried, and I'm. I don't care that he's doing jokes about Jaws. Right, right. It, no, it but makes there's me something about Gilbert so that it works completely yeah. because because Gilbert is that right, and and his podcast is about right. old. 30, 40s stuff, you know, so that makes sense. But these guys, it, it just doesn't add up. Yeah. I don't know, especially with Kevin Meany. With Angel, it, it, maybe it makes sense. But Kevin Meany, I figured he was such a great comedian. It's just odd that he didn't, I don't know, have a different. How do you do We Are the World in 2005? How do you close <laughs> with that? There's nobody <laughs> would even know it now. Yeah. That's crazy. So, um, so. You have a 13, so there's a 13 or 14 year gap between making the movie 
and then having it come out on streaming. Yeah, we we just we, we were lost in the shuffle of technology. <laughs> yeah, we, it was before cameras and I mean, iPhones and stuff like that too. It's it's it had to have been a little frustrating just to that now you've you've actually made this, which I think is I love the backstory that you were sitting on your couch watching the cars at Live Aid. The footage gets interrupted uh, by news of Phil Collins on an airplane. Yeah, and remember, and, and they and they had the VJ who's like saying, like, we have just gotten word, and you know, we went more into that where we have that news reporter also just, yeah. just and the cars are just in that right hand box. Yeah, that's what happened. Yeah, that. But I love that that stayed with you for so for twenty years. Then you make a movie about it, but then it, it, I'm guessing this didn't go to con. Um, no. <laughs> apparently not. Um, but it's got to be frustrating to make and then you can't get the feedback that you're hoping for. Yeah. In fact, one time and this is classic. Um, I went to L.A. because my, you know, Sarah Silverman, mm -hmm. uh, she's my friend name drop, uh, but she was dating Jimmy Kimmel. Right. And she goes, Jimmy wants to see the movie really badly. Can you set up a screening? And this is when he had a show. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. I'll set up a screening and we set up the screening and it had to be late because he was doing his show live at the time. Right. So we had to do it at like nine o'clock and that's like death in L.A. Yeah. You know, they, they all go to bed early there. And so we set it up and <laughs> this is the best. I set it up and I flew into town and at the plane lands. I turn on my phone and she goes, we just broke up. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> I mean, you might have seen it. Maybe I would have been on. I could have talked about right. the film. Who knows? You know. Right. I mean, God damn it! I couldn't believe oh, it. Man. Isn't it because the wheels start spinning? That's how it works. You're like, oh, this is going to lead to that. Why maybe wouldn't I think that? that? Yeah. Why wouldn't I think that? Yeah. It would be like if Jimmy Fallon said, "Hey, can right. you set up a screening for yeah. me?" You know, I, I like this kind of stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows who he's bringing? <laughs> who knows what happened? But um, again, that was that. One and it was horrible because it was at this club where they were already started the music in the back, so it was like really different. It was this wonderful place because you know LA has a lot of nice place. Like New York, it's hard to find screening rooms and stuff. But um, yeah, that was the one where it was at least good that they got the Live Aid part. Yeah. They got the whole point of the movie. It was so fun because that was the only thing I take from that. As I was watching, I was like, you know, it, it does explain it in the end, and uh, but I was like, why? Why do they make Phil Collins the villain? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just answered your own question. Yeah. Why don't we uh, make Phil Collins the villain? <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, my absolute favorite joke in it is um, when after Benjamin Orr's death, one of the, one of the guys was like pancreatic cancer. I never even heard of that. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> it was because he did, no, he did die of pancreatic yeah, cancer. But no, but in 2000, I don't think a lot of people were aware of it. Yeah. You know, or at least to me, it was new. I had never heard of it before. It's one of the because it's funny. My door, one of my doormen died of it too. And it's one of those ones that it happens quickly. Yeah. Like you know, in six months, you know, and stuff. But uh, did you see when we had him on the Howard Stern show with Elon Gold? Yes. Okay. He was on. I got that because he was on the Howard Stern show. That was Ben okay. Orr was actually oh, on wow. the Howard Stern show. And so that's why I did it. Oh, that's so cool. But that and girl they, that played Robin, mm -hmm. we just found her. She was like a janitor in the place where we were working. We're like, hey, would you mind uh, 
Dude, we just filmed and it. And then you just laughing. had her cackling. But yeah, it was, and the guy did a decent Howard. It wasn't well, a bad well, impression yeah, at no, all. He, I knew he did that impression. Yeah. I don't know if you know Elon Gold. He's a comic. Yeah, you know? I know, I know right, the right, name. Right. But so he's a comic and he's been doing imitations for years. So we've known each other for a long time. And it's so funny. He's so into himself. He would put on the wig and he goes, watch the transformation, people. And uh, <laughs> But he was amazing, right? He was so yes. good at it. But yeah, that that was because he. I heard Ben Orr on the show. And again, I remembered... I remembered all these little things in my head and I it's, just, I'm, I'm happy weird? to hear the backstory because the, the big I said to Chip, I said, either either this dude was a huge Cars fan or he decided he wanted to make a comedy about a band and picked one out of a hat. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was the, the first one. I'm going to say the first one. But and yet again, it was like they, they were just so funny. Yeah, they're stupid. Yeah, they, they don't rock. They're nerds. Yes. But they, so had, they had great videos. Amazing videos. They were known for that. Yeah. Right. So they yeah. had all this talent in that sense of, uh, you know, just doing stuff like that. But but their concerts were awful. I was at multiple ones and they're they're awful. Yeah. And, and you don't even know why, because their songs are so songs are great and they, fun and they they're sound loud right they sound just like they do on record and maybe that's the problem too yeah it's just like but why don't we just play the record and they just sit there on stage and we just they are a boring boring band again nobody died of an overdose yeah there was no issues there was, so we there was really no lineup change at all which is kind no. of crazy like throughout most of their run it was just the same guys the whole time I, no, it right. was. It was. The, yeah, there, there was no change. It was from the beginning well, they, to the they last said, album. Yes. Uh, Benjamin Orr and Rick Ocasek were in every band they'd ever played in together. Right. They, they, were, they'd never they'd that, never that not been in a band or... together. Mm-hmm. Um, but then at some point they'd stop talking for like almost 20 yeah, years. Benjamin ben had is... his own bus. Yeah, because because he's uh, just like Stuart Copeland. He doesn't get it. Yeah. That he's like, oh, boy, I should really be grateful I'm in this. But I mean, he was right in the sense he had a much better voice than Rick. I could. I didn't even know until recently, until I watched footage of them at a festival, their voices sound the same. I didn't even no, know. No, no, you, you, I kn- oh, you I mean knew, when they're talking? No, when they sang. Like, I no, knew. No, Benjamin Orr has a pretty voice, and Rick O'Casey sounds I knew, like an idiot. I knew, dri- <laughs> like, I knew that famous song, Drive, which right. would be his most famous That's song. That's Ben Orr singing. I, yeah, I knew Ben Orr sang that because of the video. But there was like, I didn't know Rick didn't sing Bye Bye Love. Right, right. That's all. Oh, you thought it was. I thought Rick it was singing. just. I thought oh, it was just Rick singing. Saying. I didn't. Right, right. I didn't even. I didn't even think their voices were. But, but that that's the thing. But they are very different. And Ben had a better voice, so he's probably like, I should be singing these songs. Yeah. But the interesting part of the band was that Rick wasn't great, and the way he was like Lou Reed, you yeah. know, or something. And it's right. just like this brings the style, like Stevie Nicks. Yeah. You know, it's like she's not the greatest singer, but there's something to her that yeah. makes it interesting. Yeah. So. You know, that's why it worked. But that's, again, with this Stuart Copeland thing, it's just you're not getting it. Rick yeah. writes the songs. You're lucky you're in the band. Yeah. So go out and do it. Then he has a solo album. He has one song on it and it doesn't do very well. You know, it's like, a, what do you want from this guy? He's right. like, you're lucky he's letting you sing at all. Yeah. What's the matter with you? I heard at one point Benjamin Orr suggested that his girlfriend start writing songs for the cars and Rick, oh so he pulled like a spinal tap yeah kind of, yeah, yeah he, uh, he and rick was like i'm yeah, not he doesn't get it it's yeah. like weird it's that's why we made fun of him in a sense like we we you know i guess i knew that yeah so i made him the you know antagonist quote i guess um because yeah it just don't understand guys like that who 
you know, when you have a guy that's willing to write unbelievable yeah, songs and he really he wrote some of the, the biggest best hits of, yeah of but, the but 80s. it's like if you feel that way do your own thing prove everybody wrong like phil collins did yeah. and he and he got along with all those guys right. he didn't even have to prove anybody wrong right he just right. was great anyway you know so it's like say do your stuff with, with your own band what what is the big deal if every other year you do an album like phil collins did i i i just for the life of me i just i, I guess because you know, kind of a failed comic. <laughs> I just think I'm like, God, if I, you know, and quite frankly, I'm sure if I was 22, I'd probably feel like Ben Orr. Yeah. But you feel like after a while, you turn 40, you'd get over it and be yeah. like, you know what? Maybe I should just relax. Right. Let yeah, him do ride his the train. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that always, that always bugs me with those stories like, like that. And that's why Ringo is awesome. Yeah. He so got it. Yes. He, yeah. He yeah. got it so much that after they broke up, all those guys, remember, he was beloved by all of them. If yeah. they all weren't talking to each other, they, Paul, George, and John wrote songs for Ringo. Yeah. So he really... It all he just said he's like, This is awesome. I get it. I get it. Like maybe because he was replaced. Yeah. Maybe if he had started with the band, it would be different. But maybe because I mean, in the sense that he replaced somebody right. else. Yeah, he was he, he, they were already, he was the new guy. He, yeah, he must have just gotten it, you know, like and thank God, and that's what makes him cool. Or like um like uh I think it was like the, one of the village people got buried in their outfit, like, like the construction <laughs> work. I'm like, there's a guy that gets it. Or Johnny yeah. Weissmuller, the, the, the dude Tarzan? who played Tarzan, got buried in okay, his right, Tarzan. Right. There's very they, few people got like that. Oh, so here's a good example. Um, I was thinking because, oh, because uh, his name was Ming. I'm sorry. Uh, I was thinking of, do you ever see Ted? Yeah. Uh, Flash Gordon, you know, the. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Sam Flash, Jones. Sam Jones, right? So I was. I, I love that movie. Yeah, Ted, me too. And I'm friends with the guy that wrote it, this guy, Alex Sulkin, you know, from Family Guy. Mm -hmm. And I asked him about that. I'm like, wait, you know, was he cool? Because you know, I wasn't sure you know, about Sam Jones. And the, and I was like, does he get it? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. Because he, <laughs> apparently he said, yeah, I'll do it, but I need either $400,000 or you have to buy me a new house. And he goes, well, we'll give you $20,000 or just don't do it. <laughs> All right, I'll take yeah, right. it. Right. Or we'll get the guy that played Buck Rogers. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah Gil Gerard. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there's, yeah, it was weird that he There's didn't a get whole it. documentary. Uh, there's a Sam Jones documentary about how much he didn't get it. Oh, really? Yeah. Did it come out after Ted or before? Uh, I came out after Ted, but the narrative of the documentary is that he makes peace with it all these years later well, and, yeah, then, full, after and Ted, then fully embraces it. Yeah, I guess because after of the Ted. Success. Yeah, because Right. He was great in it, and it right. was awesome. And uh, again, I'm sorry that I the Ming triggered me off, but he right. does say death to Ming in the multiple, which I guess you couldn't make that movie today. <laughs> um, but that that was from Flash Gordon. Um, but yeah, it's like there's a guy, right? Just talk about these guys that just don't seem to get it. It's like you know, I I get that it's things didn't work out, I guess. But then don't you make peace at some yeah. point? We always think about Adam West like that too. Yeah. Um, who I think got it at the end. Yes. But remember, for so many years, he was just like, why aren't they using me? Why are they using Michael Keaton? I don't right. know if you know this, but, but it's a fact. He was like, why, are, why yeah. am I not considered for the 1989 Batman? Right. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, because you're 70. Well, not, not just that, but it's like <laughs> right. you, nobody takes you seriously. This is, yeah. a, you know, you're doing this. Because I remember, did you ever see Look Well? It sounds familiar. If you haven't, then you guys are in for a huge treat. Uh, it's a pilot 
made by Conan O'Brien and Bob Smigel. Oh, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, I've yeah, heard yes. this is amazing. I, yes, yeah, yes. I've heard so about So David yes. Cross Adam West, right? gave it to me, yeah, a long time ago before YouTube on videotape. And it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. And I shared it with everybody. Now it's on YouTube. Yeah. And I never laughed so hard in my life. I thought oh, it was the greatest okay. thing I've ever seen. And I remember saying to David Cross, do you think he gets it? And he's like, I don't know. And I go, well, what are they going to do next week? It's only a pilot. He goes, and he said the greatest thing, the most prolific thing. He goes, you have to trust the guys that bought this to you. You know, and I'm like, wow, that's a really interesting thing. Because I thought they really kind of shot their watch. Yeah. Maybe that's why I didn't make it. And so then I got to talk to Conan and Smigel in separate occasions. Or one of the writers from Conan, Jonathan Groff. And I said, do you, can you tell me, does Adam West get it? And he goes, no, he doesn't get it at all. He yeah. doesn't understand. And then I talked to Smigel because we used to work together on TV Funhouse. And they said, does Adam West get it? He goes, yeah, he gets it. So again, I'm still confused. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody seems to know for sure, but I have to assume at the end, he definitely got it by the time with Family Guy and everything. I think he did. Yeah. I hope so. He seemed like a nice guy, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm fascinated with guys like that, you know, because I always wonder how I would be if I was 22 yeah. and in this a scenario and then things kind of weren't good i don't know i'd like to think that i would have gotten it and moved on i you'd like think, to i don't know yeah i wonder how like if I, you had a one-hit wonder song in the 80s or something like if you were um who's the guy who used to make fun of beavis and butter winger if you were yeah. kip winger yeah yeah does he get it no no oh, he's in fact i just read um there's an oral history of MTV's golden days, you know, like right up until they stopped playing videos, you know, like right up until the real world. And Kip Winger is still very angry <laughs> at Beavis and Butthead. See? And there was um, some Metallica video where they were had his picture on a dartboard uh -huh. and, and he he didn't take that well. Well, that would have bothered me, too. Yeah. Stuart, yeah. Stuart Copeland's all over that book. You know, they're they're talking about then it like it went from this fun thing to drummers and baseball players demanding to be equal time as the lead singer and Stuart Copeland's one of the all-time greatest drummers <laughs> yeah, that ever thing. lived right, right. <laughs> you think he would just be like yeah I'll drum in this band and then I can yeah. do my own thing which he did yeah what yeah. is he but there's he's still angry yeah that's right they yeah. won't get back together yeah things like I'm not perform with that guy he's an asshole yeah you ever see the footage he was taping of that in Super 8 films they have a yeah there's a documentary oh, yeah. on yeah, it they're yeah. always fighting they're always, yeah, always fighting it makes me so angry I'm like yeah. dude just understand that you you got sting yeah he's like yeah he, he came to us with synchronicity You'd already written yeah you're thanks. like thanks yeah thanks, thanks, thanks buddy <laughs> <laughs> what the hell who yeah. complains about that he's like listening he's like there's every breath you take I like eh, it's all right jerk off yeah, <laughs> really that's drives, how that's, it drives you crazy when you're trying to make it yeah as whatever you are well it's, and there's people that have it and they don't get it it's got to be like we've interviewed a couple musicians now and it does feel like being in a band just like being a comedian versus being in a band where you only have to rely on yourself doing what we do you know, difference. yeah, it's it just seems like and then if you're in a band for a long period, it's like when you when you're when I'm reading about the cars and you're reading how they're all on separate tour buses and Rick Ocasek and Benjamin Orr were best friends that that started this thing together and then didn't talk for 20 years while still playing. Uh, I was just reading about that about Simon and Garfunkel because yeah. for some reason I was going down a rabbit hole. I saw Paul Simon on the Dick Cavett show and he was talking about how he came up with Bridge Over Trouble. What he was playing it on the guitar. He's like, well, here's it was really interesting. And then I was reading more about it. And yeah, they they just 
weren't getting along. Yeah. At the end, and they were childhood friends, like yes. high school friends. Yeah. They were in a band yeah. at fifteen called yes. Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. Yeah. My um, my dad and mom went to the same high school as them. So oh, really? I in always the, around Kew Gardens area. They were yeah. Right? Oh. Uh, I want to say Martin Van Buren. Yeah, it was in Queens. But they um, they would my dad would always tell me about going to see Tom and Jerry when when they were kids. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that cool? And then but they were fighting. And again, you have to say, what is the matter with Art Garfunkel? Well, what is the matter with you? If you're if you're going to name your band as kids, Tom and Jerry, you can't expect not to be at each other's throats constantly. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Well, that is the perfect thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) All right, I think we got to wrap it up. Um, I could talk for hours, as you yeah, no, this, figured the, out. This oh, was thank fun. you so much for coming. This is this is great. Oh, it's my pleasure. I like and New Jersey. Yeah, I want to move here. Yeah, it's nice. Now. I do. I really I'm, do. I I'm fifteen. I'm fifteen minutes from here. It's, I'm thinking it's about great. moving to Long Branch. Yeah, yeah, Long Branch is great. Um, Sorry, I ruined it again. No, I no, can't no, help no. myself. I just keep chattering. That's it. That's the end of the podcast, Dave. You've ruined it. I'm ruined quitting. It. This is it. You've ruined yeah. it. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me. And I really like the studio. And thank you for yeah, come appreciating and- the Cars movie. Because I, I guys know have to, to let's, let's plug it one more time. You can get it on, on Amazon Prime. Don't be cheap. Go do do the $3. That's yes. very kind. Yeah. And again, I yes. apologize right away. And make sure you are high. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We, we, we definitely It was helps. made that way. <laughs> uh, it's called uh, Turbocharge, the unauthorized story of the cars. Don't be alarmed that there's a snowman narrator. <laughs> right. Um, and I really did. Like once... Once I got it, I just sat back and really enjoyed it. And then I had to watch it again because I was like, and you see I'm, how we had the uh, Weezer in it at first. That was uh, that's who opens the it's supposed to be Weezer. Yes. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I didn't even realize that was because you, you see Rick Ocasek producing. Right, a band. He's producing mm-hmm. it. I didn't yeah. So there's all these historical facts. Yes. in it. I'm just saying you just have to kind of just pick and choose which it. are the yeah. ones. <laughs> right. Like there was a, like you, you make a there's a reference to Rick Ocasek being in a band with Martin Mull. And I yeah, was like, he, that's, but then I look it up and I was like, oh, he really was yeah. in a band with Martin Mull. Yeah, no, no. I think it was David Robinson or something. Oh, one David, of the other right, guys. One right, of the, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think I got it from that one book, Frozen Fire. Oh, <laughs> I think so I, I was the only person that bought it and I have it in my house <laughs> and I read it, you know, when I was like, found out some more facts. Any, any other uh, movies, uh, any other, like any other bands that you were upset about 20 years ago that are. I was thinking about doing a foreigner one. And then, uh, no, I, uh, I, there, I, there was one I was, uh, that I really, oh no, you know what I wrote actually was the history of MTV. Yeah. Uh, from this book, uh, from this guy from Philly who wrote this book, I wrote this script for MTV for HBO uh, through, uh, Bob Morton, mm-hmm. who used to produce the Letterman show. And he told me to write it because he's in it. Yeah. So I wrote the story of MTV and, I think it's the best thing I ever wrote. It it's it's a comedy, but it's not yeah. like this. And I say it that way because um, I was fascinated by it, and I don't understand why nobody's done it yet. Yeah, why there isn't a Netflix series? Yeah, about I would watch that. I would watch that, especially Chip and I talk. We where we grew up. Yeah, know, we so it's were a, kids it, of MTV. And the script is terrific in the sense, and I'm sorry, I'm saying it's great because I I'm just so happy with it. It starts with the beginning of cable television. Yeah, and it ends. The script ends on August first, nineteen eighty one. Which they're coming up on the uh, right when anniversary they, when they launched. when they went on the air. That's right. when it ends that you, day you because can, it's all that trying to get it on. Yes. And then I figured I would make I was making it for you know like an HBO movie, but now 
I would make it like a, a mini series because I want to keep going. Right. I just took yeah. the first four chapters of the book because I was completely fascinated to see how it all came to be, making the logo mm-hmm. and how important it was and how this this old guy that they were, these two young guys were working with, like, what, a 24-hour music? You know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. just my favorite thing. What? Yeah. You know, like, and and just, I, I just love the, the fact that the guy from the Monkees is uh, Mike Nesmith. Mike Nesmith. It was sort of his idea. Part, yeah, yeah. It's all, yeah. And, and, and of course, I have all the things I can't, because I can't help myself, like, that are in the Cars movie, where he's in Australia, and they're asking him to play monkey stuff, and he's like, no, fuck you, you know, like, it's just so angry. <laughs> I gotta have a guy like that in every movie. Yeah. He's so angry. And of course, Alan Hunter's in it again, too, because I can't help myself gonna, for some reason. You're going to bring Kevin Brennan back. There's the first you can go on YouTube and watch the first two hours of MTV broadcasting. Really? Yeah, yeah. you can you can watch well, they the mixed launch up the tapes that the, day, yep, too. You, yeah, yep, everything gets fucked up. Plus, you, they had a satellite like this guy. I mean, it's really fascinating. They had a satellite in Buffalo that was really old and a satellite in like Long Island. And like somebody had to be there to put the tapes. And when they got there, it was all it was like this today. Yeah. And again, no offense. It was like after a flood yeah. and stuff. So everything with when the guy got there, he's like, this isn't going to we're never going to get this up tonight. Yeah. So it was like that. But it, it's all these kind of very interesting. I don't know. I you and I, yes, and, and I would Chip, absolutely we would all find fascinating. I would absolutely watch yeah. that. I, just, oh, absolutely. I can't believe nobody's yeah. ever done it. But yeah. I guess nobody cares anymore because nobody knows what MTV was right. or is. Yeah. It's like it feels like they're making documentaries about everything. How has this not been done? Yes. Yeah. All right. So no, 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 no. Don't uh, too much coffee. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you again for doing this. Yeah, this will come back. I would definitely come back anytime. Um, I like talking, obviously, and and about music and about comedy. Yeah. (laughs) So go to uh, Amazon Turbocharge, the unauthorized story of the cars. Dave Juskow, thank you so much. Thank you, Chip. Anything, Chip? Nice to meet you. Anything? Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for doing it. Thank you very much for uh, this lovely studio. Anything you want to plug, Chip? Uh, just follow me on Twitter, Chip Chantry. How about you, Kenneth? Uh, yeah, same. Follow me on Twitter, Chip Chantry. Yes. Cool beans. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dave, anything you got coming up that you want to? Well, I have my uh, podcast, The Night Fly, mm-hmm. it's called. So if you'd like to listen to that, I uh, rant about a lot of stuff all the time, as, as you can probably know. And then uh, we have this uh, Billy Joel A to Z podcast. Me and this guy, Elon Altman, are doing. He's a comic, too. And that is so have funny. And going through every song, A well, to Z. I don't know if you've done the great. longest time yet. But no, no. If, if you no, need a guest, I'd be. <laughs> okay, no, no. We would lo- I would love to tell that story. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, But yeah, we're only on the we just started the D's tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and then we're like, maybe this wasn't such a good idea. <laughs> it's a lot. All right. Yeah, well, I'll definitely check that out. I'm going to listen to your Amy Heckerling episode, too. Yeah, you yeah, should. We, it's we really, talk yeah, about it's really her all the time. Uh, have um, her on. It was yeah, really, really great. Cool. Yeah. And, 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 I, and tell the listeners again, what, and what's what's the podcast again? The Nightfly. The Nightfly. It's on Good. Spotify and all that other stuff. And it was around uh, December. Okay. So if you go back. Yeah. And also, um, I had Harold Ramis's daughter on yeah. once, too. But mostly she was like, well, I don't talk. And I'm like, that's OK. I could talk enough for the both of us. <laughs> Just praising her dad about how much I worshipped him. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're combined because yeah. she's uh, Amy Heckerling's uh, right too. So it's all combined. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank and you. we'll see you next week. 